Welcome, welcome to the Trampoline Hall podcast. I am your host and my name is Misha Globerman. Trampoline Hall is a lecture series that takes place in a bar. Uh, People give lectures on all kinds of different subjects, with the one restriction being that they cannot lecture on subjects on which they are professionally expert. After each lecture, we take questions from the audience. Uh, The podcast sometimes contains mature language, and this episode may be no exception to that rule. Uh, The topic is backyard chickens, and the lecturer is Sarah Trelevin. Thank you. Okay, so I have something to show you. I'm talking about backyard chickens, and uh, I hope you can see it in the back. I kind of forgot how big this room was. Can you see this? Can you see that it's a chicken? Okay, (laughs) good. Uh, So far, so good. Um, So this is a chicken, but this isn't just any chicken. This chicken actually lives in my backyard. Oh. (laughs) Um, And I don't know if you can tell from the picture. I think it might be... um, Sort of like, you know, sometimes you see a picture of, like, Stalin, and you're like, oh, he looks nice. But it's sort of the same thing with this chicken. This, this chicken's an asshole. Um, this chicken has lived in my backyard for a long time, and I often go down to the garden and feed this chicken carrot tops and occasionally a piece of chocolate cake. And without fail, the chicken always tries to peck at my hands and forearms. Uh, so I hate the chicken, even though it now lives with me, and I do feel responsible for it, but I actually should love the chicken, and should probably love all chickens, because I have a bit of a story for you, which is a bit meat cute, but I met my boyfriend because of a dead chicken. Um, it was a couple summers ago, and, uh, my friend Craig said, my friend Jamie is going to kill and eat one of his chickens. Do you want to come? And I said, yes. And I think it's one of those questions you don't really know the answer until somebody asks it. But it turns out it was yes. And so I went, and after watching an instructional video on YouTube, Jamie killed a chicken, and we ate it, and then we fell in love. Um... Is anyone here from PETA or bylaw enforcement? I meant to ask that. Okay. Um, Anyways, so uh, Jamie's mother, actually, who's a a very, very warm woman I've now known for about a year and a half, uh, likes for me to go over the details of how we met again and again because she's still trying to wrap her head around it. Uh, And I'll acknowledge that Usually, when you meet a man and he kills and dismembers a small animal, it's a bad date. But I have to say that there was something about the experience, while not romantic, that was appealing. You know, there was something very honest about this evening. It was a warm summer evening in an urban backyard, and a man who had cared for chickens for years killed one and served it to his hungry friends. And this struck me as a much more honest experience than all the times I've ever gone to the grocery store and picked out some sort of shrink-wrapped chicken part and lived in relatively blissful ignorance about where it came from. So, of course, the history of chickens is not just my personal history. Chickens and people have been living together for about 3,000 years. These are my Wikipedia facts now. Um, (laughs) 
And uh, it wasn't actually until the late 19th century that chickens were started being primarily cultivated for eggs and for meat. Uh, interestingly, at the very beginning of their acquaintance with humans, they were bred primarily for fighting, for cockfighting. Um, but anyways, uh, so about the late 19th century, as I said, and uh, particularly in the First and Second World War, people were being encouraged to keep chickens in their backyards, sort of like little clucking victory gardens, I guess. Um, now, the Toronto history of the backyard chicken is a little less quaint. Um, the modern history is sort of muddied with issues of the assimilation of immigrants and also questions about what makes for a good neighbor in a place where people are living shoulder to shoulder. Uh, so just four decades ago, it was actually relatively common to have a chicken or a goat or even a pig living somewhere near you in downtown Toronto. If you wanted to keep any of those things, if you wanted to keep a horse, you could. There was nothing to stop you. Uh, then in the late 1970s, there was a bit of a change. Uh, I read that, and this seems hyperbolic, but I read that dog catchers were being dis dispersed on the streets of Toronto to capture like goats that had run amok, <laughs> which seems like late 1970s, like disco, and I don't know. It just seems sort of weird. But um, anyways, also apparently roosters had become a very unwelcome early alarm clock, and health officials were increasingly concerned about humans and animals living in such close, close proximity and exactly what that might mean. But there was something else happening, too. In the late 1970s, uh, and I don't have the exact date, but the Globe and Mail reported that most of these barnyard incidents were happening in what they were referred to as ethnic neighborhoods. They were primarily referring to Kensington Market, the Chinese, the Jews, the Italians, and the surrounding Portuguese neighborhood. Uh, so Kensington in the late 1970s, I know Kensington now is a very quaint place, and it's a good place to go for like a $5 muffin and things like that. But then it was open air abattoirs, uh, cages upon cages of live animals, and you could have a live chicken butchered right in front of you, which as I've told my boyfriend's mother several times is actually a really good way to meet people. <laughs> uh, so by the early 1980s, there were demands for change. Uh, interestingly, in response to petitions to, to enforce some sort of bylaw against farm animals, Jack Layton and Joe Pantalone uh, stood alone with the Kensington community in um, resisting the ban and citing some sort of cultural privilege. But generally, sort of the tide of sentiment had turned, and Neighborhoods Community Chair Dorothy Thomas sort of struck the majority opinion when she said, how is wringing a chicken's neck an expression of cultural diversity? Uh, supermarkets, of course, had been carrying eggs and pristine featherless carcasses since the 1950s. So there were questions about who were these people who were resisting the tidy conveniences of modern life? And in 1983, a ban was passed. Now, three decades later, uh, chi backyard chickens are arguably making a comeback. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sometimes when you write these things down, you're like, that's punchy, but. <laughs> uh, anyways. Um, so first of all, keeping the backyard chicken, to get into the pragmatic stuff, first of all, they're very easy to keep. If you want to buy a layer, so a hen, that'll give you two to three years worth of about 
six eggs a week, it costs you $15. I know, take you like a drive, you have to find some hippies in the countryside who will sell what you want. But other than that, it's actually relatively effort free. Um, they're relatively cheap to feed. I mean, you have to buy like pellets for them, which you can get at like a tractor supply company. Uh, they eat a lot of scraps. Almost everything that would go into our compost bin goes to our chicken. Uh, they're relatively hardy, so even in a Toronto winter, they can stay outside. We have an egg glue for hours, which is sort of. <laughs> Like, very twee and ridiculous. Um, but it's, like, essentially an insulated coop with a run, an animal-proof run. Um, and I guess, in addition to the sort of more pragmatic aspects of owning a chicken, which are actually very simple and, rel and really require just about 10 minutes of maintenance a day, less than the dog, um, it's hard to express the pleasure of walking out into your own backyard and plucking a still warm egg out of a coop. Um, I think that the idea of being able to provide sustenance for yourself at a time when almost everything comes wrapped in plastic has become a bit of a magical property. You know, I, I, I think people grow ro you know, rosemary bushes and their eyes well up with, when they see the result because you can't believe you're doing this in the city. Um, and I will say that even though the chicken and I clearly have our differences, I still am struck with such a sense of awe and amazement when I take an egg back into the house and crack it into a bowl and see a perfect orange yolk. Um, now, I spoke to Jan Kenk, who is a documentary filmmaker in Toronto, and he made a movie called Crackdown, which is about the keeping of backyard chickens. And I asked him about people's motivations for keeping these chickens, and he said that they were varied, but that the key reason was access simply access to fresh, organic food that people had total control over. Um, now, I'll remind you that I and my fellow chicken keepers are essentially fugitives. But we have been largely motivated by uh, what we've read about the horrors of factory farming. I mean, it's like neato to keep a chicken. But it's also the fact that you know, we've, regulation doesn't seem to work. Very rarely does a month or two pass by when we don't hear a massive outbreak of foodborne illness. Uh, and I think that these things, the 100-mile diet, eating organic, Michael Pollan, Fast Food Nation, they've sort of reached a bit of a critical mass, and people are looking for a way to do it on their own. Now, in Seattle, Portland, and New York City, you can keep a backyard chicken. In Niagara Falls, Brampton, Guelph, Kingston, Victoria, Vancouver, and Surrey, you can keep a backyard chicken. In Toronto, if you keep a backyard chicken and somebody catches you, it's $300 and loss of the chicken, I assume. Um, <laughs> and though recent efforts have been uh, overturned or rebuffed, two counselors in Toronto are actually, uh, have actually put forth a motion to have a study of backyard chickens um, that I believe is gonna be addressed next in February. It's already been pushed back once, it may be pushed back again. Um, but the idea is basically that this is a concept that has resurfaced. After many decades of being dormant, it's something that has come back around again and has become very timely. Um, I don't know how many people keep chickens in Toronto, partly because it's, it's hard to find information about an activity that's underground, but I do know that the Canadian Liberated Urban Chicken Club, or <laughs> Cluck, um, <laughs> now has 28 chapters. Um, and one of the things I actually find about this new movement that I'm sort of 
I guess, a part of, uh, although I never really thought of it as a movement before I started researching this, uh, is that this movement, which is increasingly which is increasingly seen in a positive light, is now not being driven by immigrants who maybe want to keep their expenses down or retain some of their traditional life, but mostly by privileged young people who are tending chickens when they're not in like knitting clutches or foraging for scapes for their locavore restaurants. And the fact that we might be listened to a little more than the immigrants before us is kind of problematic. Um, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> Something to think about. Um, I've heard pe uh, chickens referred to before as pets with benefits, which I really, really like. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm hoping I know what that means. I think, I think it means the eggs. But, um, and I do love having fresh eggs. There is nothing like it. And I also like doing something that's vaguely illegal and mostly harmless and that George Mammoliti is on the record as hating. Um, but then our chicken stopped laying eggs. And now when I look out the window, I just see a bird in a cage and it's such a bummer. Uh, so, on Wednesday, our chicken is going to live on an organic farm in the Kawarthas. I I, I, now, she actually is. It's not like when I was seven and the dog was sick. <laughs> and my parents were like, oh, he's going to go live on a farm and it's run by a vet and there's, he's going to be able to chase rabbits and dig holes. And I was like, I can't believe how well this worked out for everybody. Um, <laughs> The chicken is actually going to a farm in the Kawarthas, uh, provided that we can get the hippies to come and pick her up because they keep forgetting. But they do always remember to invite us to their harvest moon party. Um, <laughs> anyways, even though the story of this particular chicken is not necessarily a completely happy one, um, I think we're gonna try again. Uh, I think in the summer, we're going to drive out to Prince Edward County, and we're going to go to the beach, and we're going to get some ice cream, and we're going to come home with a chicken and see if we love this chicken. And I don't know if I'll love this chicken, um, but I'll try my best. And I do know one thing, that after you've had a fresh egg, after you've been able to grow something, something in your control, something in your backyard, something that you know from start to finish, Going to the supermarket for eggs feels like a defeat, less than a convenience. More than a convenience. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Sarah Kilmanen, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the Trampoline Hall Podcast. I'm Misha Goldman. Up next, the Q&A. Are, are, there, are there any questions? Are there any questions? Uh, I'll go to, uh, yes, you over there. You, you sir. Um, when you... After the chickens lay the egg and you go to collect it, does it like protect the egg or just give it up freely? Or? Gives it up freely. Very often they lay in the coop on a little bit of straw, um, and then uh, they're they are usually out. She's usually out in the run before before I go to pick it up. So they've never they've never contested the taking of the egg in any way. 
So you just I take don't even the have egg. to. I do it flagrantly. I don't the even have to sneak it. So the chicken's just like, hey, look what I made you. Yeah. Like it well, does not. She's like. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Wow. Yeah, she tries to bake things, but the egg is the only thing she's been able to do. Wow. All right. Okay. Um, uh, I had to come back to that. Yes. 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 Uh, do you know anything? Why eggs are you know brown or white, and why the yolks are orange or yellow? Or why is every I'm gonna summarize. Why is every part of the egg the color that it is? God. No. Um, I have heard, and I don't know if this is true, but I have heard that it depends on the color of the chicken. So white chickens produce white eggs, and brown chickens produce brown eggs. But I also sort of feel like the person who told me that was fucking with me. <laughs> so, yeah. so I don't know. <laughs> Does anyone know? Is there a, a yeah, you know. It's what you feed them. Oh, so if you, oh, wait, the yolk is, depends on what you feed them, but the yolk's always yellow, isn't it? No, no people are like, orange, no, bright no. orange. Stupid Misha. <laughs> um, wait, what are, the, what, are the, what are the other colors? Orangish yellow? There's red yolk eggs? There are red yolk eggs. I'm sorry, I'm completely thrown off by this. So, so the, the color of the yolk depends on what, there are green eggs in fiction or bad eggs that you paint green, but they're not naturally green, are they? All right, okay. Um, uh, but no, okay, so, so the yolk depends on what you feed them. That's does anyone know, does anyone know the answer of what the, what the shell color comes from? Yeah. Yes. Wes, who knows? What? The yeah. color of the chicken. <laughs> it is the color of the chicken. What's that? You go to the Royal Winter Fair and you learn this. Okay. It's the breed of the chicken, which in turn determines the color of the chicken. Is that fair? Is that true? Ish. Okay. All right. So, all right. Okay. Oh, I did actually, I learned in my research, I didn't include it because I was worried about time, but Martha Stewart apparently has, is like chicken crazy. And when she introduced her first line of paints, all the paint colors were based on the like pastel shell colors of her chickens. <laughs> so I guess they come in beautiful, ours are brown, but I guess they come in really beautiful colors. Very nice color. Right. Okay. What color uh, is your yes, chicken? Yes. Our chicken is red. She's a leghorn and she's like, oh God, beautiful. She's quite good looking. Um, I don't know if you can see, but <laughs> um, <laughs> she's got she's got very like reddish brown, um, a reddish brown. I was gonna say a coat, but that's feathers. She has feathers. <laughs> she's a bird. What's she, um, what's she in front of here? Oh, that's the coop, the egg, oh, the, the egg loop. You know, I saw the line out the corner of my eyes. I couldn't really see it, and I thought she was like in a police lineup. <laughs> <laughs> when you're like this chicken's an asshole, and I was like, yeah, yeah obviously it's <laughs> yeah. it's in a lineup. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I, so just the goop. Chicken's okay. going away for a uh, long time. Uh, all, all the way in the back. Yes, you with your hand up over there. Yes. Uh, without divulging too much information, which neighborhood do you live in? Which neighborhood do you live in? Um, Ask the cop near the back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, can I ask why you're asking? I'm just kidding. Uh, we live around Queen and Bathurst. Why do you ask? Why? Why? Because I want to put a coop in my backyard, but I feel like it's too. Well, this, we have neighbors. I mean, you can actually... I mean, we're right downtown, and uh, we are, have neighbors on every side. And I think... Uh, you know, there are a lot of myths about chickens. One is that they're dirty. Two is that they're noisy. Uh, they don't have to be dirty. You just have to clean out the coop, uh, which means that they're not smelly. Two, they're really not very noisy. I can count on one hand the number of times she's clucked, and we could hear it in the house. But the real secret to get your neighbors on side is to give them some of the eggs. Uh. <laughs> so there you go. So there, there's the answer. All right. Um, uh, yes, you, ma'am. Yes. Are chickens social animals, and will they produce more eggs? Are they social animals? 
Oh, do they produce more eggs that's, for being around other chickens? Like they just get more productive, you mean? That's a good yeah. question. I don't know about egg production. I, I have read that they are social chickens, and I actually read this one thing that was sort of apropos of nothing that said the chickens are very good with children with disabilities. And I have no idea what that means. Yeah, what does that mean? But <laughs> I have no idea, which like, I didn't include that because it doesn't make any what, sense good. to me. Um, we, I do sometimes worry that the chicken is lonely and that she would maybe be more pleasant if she had lots of chickens around. Uh, but... <laughs> but what can you do? Yeah. Right? <laughs> Instead, no. we're just going to send her to a farm. <laughs> now, now, wait, now, now, I assume you send her to a farm. And I, I know I, I say this, I didn't even know there were red egg yolks, so I obviously I'm not an expert on this. But I assume that the reason you're not eating her is because she's a different kind of chicken. Is that right? That no, that's not right. The oh. reason... <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Uh, the re- I didn't mention it, but the reason we're not eating her is because she would taste terrible. Um, I, she's about like three years old now, I think. Okay. And uh, so the other part of the story of when I, my boyfriend killed a chicken and we ate it is that we ordered pizza that night because the chicken was so terrible. It was oh. like a three, or I would think that chicken was like two or three years old. It was like chicken gum. It was like you chew and chew and chew and chew. And it was terrible. Um, and it's like everyone has tried yeah. chicken gum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I, did not, I did not like um, that gum. So we tried to make Coco Van, and she like stewed and stewed and stewed, and it, it didn't work. So that's an interesting lesson to me is that there's nothing more delicious than an egg that you harvest yourself yes. and nothing more horrible than a chicken <laughs> that you buy from hippies and kill on your own. Absolutely. Right, so that's interesting. So it's not like it's not some general principle. It just, it's no, different depending no. on the thing. Okay, that's good to know. Um, uh, uh, yes, you ma'am, yes. Uh, what do you do about predators like uh, raccoons? The question is what about predators like raccoons and things? Uh, yeah, that's a real concern and we've seen, there are cats in our backyard and we've seen raccoons, um, but the igloo that we have, it's, it's like animal proof, allegedly animal proof. There, so far as I could tell, uh, an animal has never been able to get in. And we actually have a dog and the igloo is so good that he's not even noticed yet that we have chickens. <laughs> so. Well, it's it, not what, very bright, but... What is, is the igloo... I, I imagine, when I picture the igloo, I imagine it's an igloo made of very cold eggs, which I assume <laughs> it isn't. So is it, what is it? Is it like a... So it basically looks like a chicken... It's like Swedish modern chicken coop, although I think it was... Yeah. I believe it was made in the UK. But it's like very good-looking, very expensive housing for the modern chicken. How much, how much is the igloo? Uh, I think you need to ask my boyfriend. Where's Can you yell boyfriend? it out, Jamie? Where is... 500 bucks. <laughs> But think of the egg savings. Is... The egg savings, it's true. It's true, because an egg, an egg does, after all, cost, like, what, 20 cents or whatever. Yeah, so, yeah. so all you have so to do that, is eat 1,000 yeah, eggs. 40 more years will have totally paid that off. So it's 15 cents. So Because originally it would sound pretty good. It was 15 bucks for the chicken. But then it's 500 bucks for yeah. the igloo. And then presumably the fines. Presumably the numerous fines. Yeah. So as, as a money-saving thing, it's not, it hasn't. Yeah. That's not the only reason we do it. No, no, of course, yeah, yeah, also. Uh, uh, yes, yes. Yeah, I've uh, grown up with chickens ever since I was a boy. I'm one of those children of immigrants who had chickens in the backyard. They never had an egg move, by the way. <laughs> sure. As a child of immigrants, he laughs at the egg loo, just for those, for those who didn't hear. It is, it's very fancy. Yeah. My question is, what was the main driver for banning chickens? Chickens don't, you know, cock-a-doodle-doo in the morning. They could have banned roosters and not the chickens. So the question is, is, why do they ban chickens, given that it's the roosters who are the real problem? Uh, From my understanding, it was sort of a blanket 
uh, a blanket like farm animal ban. So they didn't actually really dis distinguish. So at the same time as they banned all chickens, they banned pigs and goats and horses and anything that sort of came under the category of livestock. And I will say that in my research, I found that most of the municipalities that now allow chickens still do not allow roosters. They, they now distinguish in new legislation, even if they didn't previously. What about goats? Do they allow goats? I don't think so. So just chickens. Just That's chi it. That's the only <laughs> just thing. Just chickens. I can't think they're of it. Like, I didn't read anything about goat. They're husbandry. like, this whole law was a good idea, except for the chickens. They're right. like, you still, <laughs> you can't have a cow in your apartment. You can't have pigs. You can't. Unfortunately, no. Okay. No, right. not so far as I know, but there could be a mass, a groundswell movement. Okay, all right. Um, uh, 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 yes, I see a hand over there. Yes, ma'am. Did you name your chicken? Did you name your chicken? No. Ah. <laughs> why, why did you ask? I, I, I figured if you were going to kill it, you may not name it. Mm. And if you were going to let it go on a farm, you may have. She thought maybe since they yeah. were going to let it live, they would have given it a name. But you. I think... I think it's uh, several reasons. One, I think you're right because it's sort of like, it's almost like a service animal. But not, well, it's not like a service animal. Like, I feel like I would name a you seeing name eye it. dog. <laughs> but <laughs> that's, that's kind of you. <laughs> but <laughs> um, I don't know. I think it's partly because we knew we might kill it and partly because... Partly because it seemed very removed, I, like, and I never developed any kind of affection for it. And I really, like, I remember when I went over for the initial chicken killing, and uh, I, I knew that I wasn't sure how it was going to make me feel. I was kind of like, this could be the night that I stop eating meat forever. I've never seen an animal killed. Um, my brother, when I talked to him right before I went over, was like, you are going to come home with a pet chicken that you've stolen from this man's house. Um, <laughs> But I just never, uh, somewhat to my disappointment, developed any kind of feelings for the chicken. I just, like, I look at it and I'm still hungry. I don't, <laughs> it, it doesn't move me in any way except for, like, except for its very functional uh, associations of eggs and meat. But maybe had you named it, then you maybe. would. <laughs> <laughs> it's, but yeah, so it's, so it's like, it's not, it's not a pet. It's not something that, like, you love no. and you have feelings for. It's like this kind of cool thing. No, and I read, I actually, um, I read a lot about women who have had and loved chickens, like really intimate stories of like mouth-to-beak resuscitation when, you know, the chicken is having problems breathing or like the, the Duchess of Devonshire, who, um, one of the, who's one of the Mitford sisters, she has always kept chickens and on her memoir, she's got like a chicken in each arm. And uh, she has a great story about when Oscar de la Renta came for dinner, as I guess he does, um, she incorporated some of her like favorite chickens into the table's centerpiece. Like, what, what do you mean, like, like they had like as a live sort of like in a tableau vivant? Kind they of were, thing, I or? believe, yeah. Well, they were still live. They were in like glass cubes. I don't know how happy they were in there, but they were like scratching away on the table while Oscar de la Renta was eating. Probably, I don't know, chicken, maybe. That's awesome. That's, that seems nice. That seems all right to me. You could, you could do that with any pet. You could do that with a dog or a cat. Or yeah. Do you, have you guys, I'm curious now, because when you started off, have you guys, I'll just come, have you guys done any other, after that initial encounter, have you guys done any other killing? Yes, we killed one other chicken. You've killed one? Okay. Uh, and it was a suspected rooster, and we, uh, well, because, yeah. It was, <laughs> yeah, this is the mugshot of that chicken. Um, 
No, it was a suspected rooster. Chickens are incredibly hard to sex. There are very few people who know how to sex chickens, and the hippies who have brought us chickens don't know how to sex them, so they're like, these look like hens, but this one actually was starting to look like a rooster, and if you have a rooster with hens, sometimes they get very aggressive. They can, of course, be noisy, so we thought we would nip it in the bug, bud and kill it, and it was also terrible. Terrible to eat. Terrible to eat, All yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. The killing was not... I mean, the killing is not amazing, like, <laughs> so the killing, the killing was so-so, but the taste was yes. very bad. Yes. Killing, yeah. It's actually Six out exact, of ten, taste that is two out of ten. Unfortunately, exactly right, and now I feel like I've revealed too much. Um, yeah, the killing is unpleasant, um, but it feels necessary. But there's at least exhilarating or something. <laughs> I'm, just guess, I'm just guessing. When you drink the blood directly from the... No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, no. <laughs> Um, no, it's not pleasant. It's not a pleasant thing to kill an animal, but there's something about it that just feels... Right. I, I don't know. Because yeah, I eat I them. Know. I mean, I eat them, all, I, I, I eat them all the time. I don't feel bad that someone else yeah. killed them. I don't, I don't, it's, a, it's, I a, it's like one of those things, too, I think, because if you are going to eat meat, I feel like uh, it's better to... Part- not necessarily to participate in the killing of an animal, but to sort of see what it actually means. Right, I to mean, face up to what, you're, to what you're doing, not have yeah, it be this is, so distant from This you, is what so. ends up in the grocery store, right? Yeah. I mean, pro- probably, like, killed in batches of, like, 400 and yeah. by some robot somewhere, but, <laughs> you know, I mean, this is, this is ultimately what it's about. If you eat an animal, you've killed an animal. Right. And so while it's not necessarily pleasant to kill an animal and you're very aware of... It, the, the, the life draining out of this animal. Um, I don't know. I guess maybe because I've made peace with meat, it doesn't feel that traumatic to me. Right, because you've thought it through and like it's not like, it's not yeah. like you're sitting there pretending that this isn't, isn't what you're doing. Even when you order food yes. in a restaurant, you're, your eyes are open to what it is that you're doing and you can yes. do that. And, like, okay. and because I don't really like the chickens. <laughs> <laughs> so it's actually easier if you come to develop a personal animosity <laughs> toward yeah. the particular animal. Yeah. You're like, I'm glad they killed that fucking chicken. Yeah. Like you're like... <laughs> Like it's, they're not even neutral on it. Yeah. You're like, good, good riddance, bad. <laughs> yeah, let's bad do it painfully. Chicken. Oh, yes, you were there, yeah. I'm eating the eggs. Do you use the eggs for anything else? Do you use the eggs for anything else other than eating? Like, what? What would you suggest? Beauty or cleaning. Like, beauty or cleaning? Uh, oh. Do you have, like, an egg no. surplus that you're, trying to, <laughs> <laughs> that you're trying to get rid of? I wash my hair with eggs. So. You wash your hair with eggs? Yeah. I've heard about using egg as, like, a face mask, but I've never done it. But I don't really know about any of the applications. We mostly make, like, omelets and stuff. <laughs> Which I, you, could, you could put on your face. Maybe you that's what you eggs. hadn't thought of was omelets. When you thought of eating them, you're like, oh, right, you can make, a, you can make an omelet out of eggs. Okay. I don't know why it seems somehow crueler to me to, like, steal a creature's unborn, to, like, nourish yourself sort of seems okay, but to clean their unborn so you'll have shinier hair seems weird to me. And I don't know, yeah. I don't, again, I don't know why. It doesn't say, I know it's not, yes, you, sir. How do you kill a chicken? How do you kill the chicken? How, how have you, um, well, these two chickens, how were they killed? Uh, well, you, the two chickens that we've killed, uh, is, it's involved a very, very sharp knife um, and a slitting... Sorry, I know some people are squeamish. Uh, slitting its throat and, uh, and then chopping off the head and draining the blood. And then you uh, place it in a, a pot, a big pot of a very hot water. And it sits in there for a little while. And I mean, it's already well dead, but it uh, sits in there for a little while. And then you can pluck the feathers off. This seems like a good time to mention that the kitchen is actually open uh, here at the Garrison, and they have a variety of uh, different tacos and stuff that are available, which you can order on the break. And so maybe we'll wrap it up there. Ladies and gentlemen, Sarah Trelevin, ladies and gentlemen.
Trampoline Hollow was created in Toronto in the 21st century by Sheila Hetty and is hosted by me. This episode's lecture was chosen by Erica Capito. The podcast is produced by Josh Block. Our theme music was composed by Matt Smith. Trampoline Hall is a sumo audio podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can also find us on Twitter or Facebook. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a review or positive rating on iTunes. It really helps a lot. It helps us reach more listeners. I'm Misha Globerman. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.